So we're in Luke chapter six today. So Jesus, we've seen that Jesus has declared his mission, his calling, his intention. We saw that in chapter four. And then we've seen him doing it, living it out, going to the poor and the sick and the rejected and the excluded. And today we've got Jesus doing a teaching session. Luke describes um, what he calls the Sermon on the Plain. And we're not sure whether this is just Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew is much longer, but what Luke's got here does sound like part of the Sermon on the Mount. So either this is Luke's shorter and slightly different version, or it could be a separate occasion when Jesus reiterated some of the same teaching again. It doesn't really matter which of those it is. What matters is what he's saying. Because Jesus here in this passage is reshaping reality. He's inviting his disciples, all those listening and us, to reimagine reality, a different reality. So in verse 12 of chapter 6, Luke tells us that after spending time in prayer, and we notice that Jesus is spending time in prayer, he then calls all of his followers to him and he chooses from them 12 who will become the 12 disciples. So that's in the first part of chapter 6. And then having called them, he goes on in the rest of chapter 6 to teach them how they should live. I'm not going to look at the whole of the Sermon on the Plain. I'm just going to take one section from what Luke has included here of it. So let's read it now. I'm going to read from verse 27 of Luke chapter 6. It will be on the screen. Please follow it along if you have a Bible there. But to those of you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. 
Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, come and speak truth to our hearts in ways that will change us. Help us to understand what these words mean for us. We cannot understand them on our own and we don't want to. We want you to speak. We want to hear what you will say to us. So speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. We ask this in your name. Amen. So, who is Jesus speaking to here? The way that I found my way into this passage this week As Julie said, it's a difficult passage. The way I found my way in was to put myself into Levi's shoes again. We met Levi last week, so we know him a bit now. And he's made this choice, this decision, to leave his old life behind and to follow Jesus instead. He's chosen to accept the invitation, the offer that Jesus made him of a new life and a new kind of life. And where Levi will be at now is he's now starting to discover what this new life means, what it's going to look like. It says that Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. And the Sermon on the Mount says the same thing, that this is not Jesus doing an evangelistic outreach talk at this point. This is a discipleship talk This is teaching the ones who've decided to follow him just what that following of him is going to mean. And I think now is the moment when Levi and the others start to realize that if if you're looking for an easy life and a nice comfortable set of beliefs that don't make too many demands on you, then you probably shouldn't try being one of Jesus' disciples. They're starting to realize the way he does things, that he has this way of just tipping everything upside down and saying really strange and and kind of crazy things that just don't make much sense unless you start to grasp his kingdom perspective. The established ways that the rich are worthy and the poor are worthless turned upside down. The established ways that if you want to be holy, you should steer well clear of all those contaminated sinners and rule breakers turned upside down. The established ways that you can earn credit with God by doing the right things, that salvation is something for those who deserve it turned upside down. And now Jesus is extending the the things that he's been doing so far. He's now extending it to include how they 
are to live. And it's just as upside down as everything else that he does. If you're going to follow me, this is what it means. If you're going to live my way and follow my teaching, then listen in, because my teaching isn't just about making a few small adjustments to how you were living before. It's going to turn your whole attitude upside down. He's not just giving them a new set of rules here. Well, we're not living by those rules anymore, but here are the new rules. He doesn't want to replace 697 rules with a new 697 rules. That's not the way to do this. He wants them to think about attitude. This whole section is about breaking an attitude a pattern of life and a viewing of life that they'd been brought up with and that actually we share as well. It is a pattern of reciprocity. The verb to reciprocate means to respond to something in a corresponding way, to match your behavior to their behavior, and to give back according to what is given. If you treat me with kindness, I will treat you with kindness back. But if you treat me coldly, I will treat you coldly back. If you disrespect me, I will disrespect you. It was the way the world worked. And it's the way our world and our lives work as well. We don't even have to think about it. It is how we instinctively judge and organize our relationships and how we interact with others. But now here comes Jesus. To you who will listen to me, I say, don't live that way anymore. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who hurt you. Hmm. They must have thought, is he really serious? But Jesus says, oh yes, I'm serious. This is for you, Simon, and for you, Levi, and for all you others. This is how I want you to live. I want you to break this cycle of retribution. Break those ingrained responses that keep us trapped and imprisoned into a life where we will never grow. Where we will only ever stay where we are. That's how frightened and limited and restricted people behave. But you, Simon Peter, and you, Levi, you are not one of them anymore. I've called you into a new kind of life. A life where you yourselves are remade. I've shown you a bigger life, a bigger heart, a bigger God. And you know more. You understand things differently now. And you've been set free from fear so that you can behave differently. 
What credit is it to you if you are kind and generous only to those who are kind and generous to you? If you can find it in your heart only to be good towards the people who are good towards you, what in the end does that achieve? God's kingdom is so much bigger than that. And living as part of it means opening your eyes to an astonishingly bigger way of thinking. If God's kingdom is going to break through, then we have to start breaking down those walls so that life can come in. Stop living in such a limited and boundaried way. God calls you to more than that. You've started to glimpse how the kingdom works. And now you need to let it be real in you. We probably need to think about who are our enemies, as Julie has encouraged us to do. As I thought about this and this passage, I thought that to some extent they are the ones that Jesus refers to in the rest of this sequence, the ones who wound us or frustrate us or block us, the ones who make my life difficult and the ones who are different to me, so different that I struggle to understand them at all. It is a universal truth that when we perceive certain things in another person, we respond in a certain way. And when someone hurts us or insults us, criticizes us or offends us, disagrees with us, annoys us or frustrates us, something happens inside of us that is instinctive. And our response comes out of what we are feeling inside. It's true for all of us. And Jesus is saying, if you're my follower, you've got to get past how it feels and choose a different way. We need to choose to use our willpower because this isn't about feelings, it's about actions. It's about things to do, not things to feel. When Jesus says, love your enemies, he's not talking about a feeling. You don't have to feel love towards them, but you do have to pray for them and act for their good. Seek they're good. And there's a whole string of doing words here that tell us what this loving of enemies is to look like. These are doing words. We are to pray, to do good to, to bless, to give, to lend. There is a generosity of spirit and grace here. 
We are to be proactive in offering good to the person who has not offered us good. Now at this point, I can't help but think that Jesus may have lost a few. There may well have been some who made their exit at this point thinking, no way, that's just stupid. And let's not pretend that this is anything other than really hard for all of us. And I'm speaking to you as someone who definitely needs to work on this. At times, it's really painful. There is real pain in this. Sometimes all you may be able to manage is to say, Lord, I'm finding this really hard. I know I need to pray for them, but I'm finding that really hard. Please, will you help me? And I guess that in the end, what we're praying for is for God to be at work in that person, to make them more into the person he wants them to be. but it's probably wise to also pray for ourselves in that way as well. To take account of the fact that there might be something about myself as well that I'm missing. And so pray that God will be at work in both me and them. And making me and them more into the people that he wants us to be. There is grace there. And as you pray, and as you keep praying, you will find that God begins to change your heart, to change how you feel. And when that change happens in you, that's the kingdom of God growing in you. It can be a really costly thing for us to do. It's an incredibly vulnerable thing that Jesus is asking us to do. An attitude of vulnerability that he's asking us to take. But Jesus walked through this world unarmed, if you like, unarmed and undefended. He wore no body armor. He had prayer and the Holy Spirit, and that was all. Will we offer our vulnerability as a sign that we are his, as a sign of the love that we have found and that we have been shown? Inhabitants of God's kingdom cannot walk around with armor on. That's not where growth is found. Let's think about why Jesus asks this of us. I'm not going to unpack the passage or work through it verse by verse today. It's more of a general theme we can see what he's asking of us. 
I want to spend the rest of our time today exploring why. Really interestingly, once again, this is about identity. We are to do these things. We are to be like this, not because it's a good thing, not because it's a nice thing for us to be like this, but because this is what God is like. He does not give to us according only to what we deserve. He gives us far, far more than that. And because this is what God is like, and this is who God is, then we are to be like this. Because this is who we are. If we are his If we belong to him, we need to behave like he does. Reflect his heart and his grace. In this new life that we've received, we are not just going to live by this old sense of reciprocity that you give back according to what you've received and that you treat people as they deserve. Because you, Levi, has God dealt with you as you deserve. God has given you so much more than you deserve freely, gladly. We are called to enter a radical, new kind of crazy radical reciprocity in which we willingly and gladly and freely give to others way more than we have received from them because that is what God has done for you. That is the grace you've received. The grace that we've been shown is the grace that we must show the merciful and generous grace of God. We don't hold back. We don't give stingily or grudgingly of ourselves or of what we have. Mercy and generous grace are the basic attributes of God and of what we've received from him. Mercy and generous grace are the basis of our whole relationship with him. How can we who have received such grace demonstrate anything less? Our human nature says, but they're in the wrong. But the spirit says, but you were in the wrong. But God didn't stint with you. We are to treat each other with an entirely undeserved amount of generosity and grace because we have received an entirely undeserved amount of generosity and grace. 
And if you don't think that you have received that, then you still haven't grasped the truth of your salvation. This is how the world will know that you are my disciples, says Jesus. This is what will set you apart when you behave like me and like my father. When you stop acting like everyone else and instead start living out what it means to be grace rescued. There are a very great many people out there who have been utterly turned off to church because they've seen how the church behaves. And you know what? We may be the only Jesus that they see. The only Jesus they may ever encounter is the one that is seen first in us. And if they never get past that, if they never get past us, how will they get to him? People notice how we behave. They notice how we treat each other. They notice how we react to hurts, how we deal with things. Can we live as though the grace we've received means something to us? We have to leave behind this frugal and miserly and protective mindset that, that is driven by fear, actually, that we can't afford the generosity of grace because we might somehow end up short, that, that we'll be done out of something. I'll be done out of that feeling that I want to feel because it will make me feel better. Verse 38 says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. What a vivid image that reached out and grabbed me this week. What a vivid image of a giving that will not be held back. Is this the God you believe in? Has he shown you generous grace? Do you believe he would allow you to be shortchanged if you choose to show courageous grace in the face of hurt? When we sacrifice a response or an attitude that would make us feel better when we sacrifice that and instead choose courageous and costly grace. God says it will return to you in full shaken down to make room for more running over and spilling out into your lap. We need to show the world that we truly belong 
to the one who pours out mercy and grace on ungrateful and undeserving people. And finally, when we do this, when we behave like this, this is how God forms us spiritually. This is the work that he does in us. Take these words into your head and into your heart. Vulnerable, risky, courageous grace. If we can do that, if we can live that, against all of those instincts that are screaming at us to lash out in return to make us feel better, if we can live vulnerable, risky, courageous grace, that is his kingdom in us. This one kind of holds all of the others within it, really. This is how God shapes us. And this is how his kingdom comes. It becomes a reality in us when we live this. And it affects the space around us as well. Loving enemies, doing good to and blessing those who hurt us, praying for those who hurt us. If we can do that, there's a sense in which we break through into divine space. We break through the barriers of self. We break through the walls that hold us back of still doing things the way the world does. It takes us beyond ourselves and into the realm of God. Standard human responses are all about protection, protecting ourselves, defending ourselves. But to walk unarmed, unprotected, as Jesus did, to offer our vulnerability, to offer costly and risky grace, that takes us into the divine. God's greatest desire for us, for those who have come to know him, is that they would know him more. To take us deeper, for us to grow and be shaped and formed by him. Something came through to me really clearly this week. I was talking to someone this week about all that we've been praying about as a church and, and that the ways that we've been praying. I talked about how I really felt that we're coming alive in prayer and starting to feel the power of God in our coming together to pray. And I talked about how we don't know yet where or how God will lead us, that we're waiting for that. And God spoke a word really clearly into my heart 
as I said those things out loud, which was this. That it's more about the work he wants to do in us than it is about any particular thing that he wants us to do. The growing of us, the deepening and shaping and forming of us. And that what he wants to do in us will come first. And that there is something that he wants to do in us. I've seen things coming to life here in the last few weeks as we've prayed. I've felt the spirit and I've seen in you an awakening. And so the word I want to share today is that I think it's more about what God wants to do in us as a church. And that will then lead us into what he wants us to do out there. There is work to be done in us. What do you think it would be like if we all started truly living out the relationships and the patterns of behavior that are in our passage today? What kind of community would we be? Imagine how much God could do in us if en masse, all of us together are living out and embodying the unrestricted generosity and mercy and grace of God. Generous hearts, generous minds, generous spirits, generous grace. I've come to realize that there is work God wants to do in us. There is transformation that he wants to bring in us. And that transformation will then overflow outwards into what he calls us to do. If you've sensed that awakening, that life beginning to sprout in us as we have prayed and we have sought God. Keep praying. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Ask him to breathe his life into us and to form us and shape us so we're ready to serve. If you've sensed an awakening in you, Ask him to do more, to grow that in you. I'm just going to leave a few moments of quiet and then I'll pray. Jesus, we need your spirit to fill us with every single breath. Without you, we can achieve nothing of worth or value or purpose.
Only you can fill us with your Holy Spirit and only the Spirit can bring the change in us that we seek. Give us the courage to live out vulnerable, courageous, risky grace in all of our dealings with others so that your kingdom can grow in us, can be grown in this place and will be what people see in us. When they look at us, may you be seen. Will you give us a deeper assurance of the grace that you have shown us? Will you give us a deeper assurance of how much we are loved? The depth of your love for us, which is beyond what we can understand. Only when we know that we are loved can that love flow out from us. Teach us how to live in our identity as your people, your children, held and sustained in love and grace. Help us to listen to your Holy Spirit, to follow where he leads us with trust Make your word come to life in us so that we can live all that you want us to be. Breathe new life into our worship and our prayers that we may breathe in you and be filled with you. Come and meet us here and now. In your name we pray. Amen.